Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Nintendo Life episode 209. My name is NBZ, uh, and I've, I've been going around in circles, Bally, back and forth. It's almost like I'm going through a wheel of time. I was, I was literally about uh, to say, how many takes does it have to be before we're stuck in the wheel of time? Yeah, exactly, because I've been trying to uh, redo this <laughs> intro uh, multiple times, um, and here I am uh, at the start of this show. But it was, uh, yeah, it's 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 a world we live in now, Bally, that I have seen uh, episodes of a television show that I've been waiting for for quite a long time. Uh, and it's very exciting. It's out in the world. I'm excited about it. And uh, I hope people... You're pretty satisfied so far? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, generally pretty happy. Um, there's some, some issues, of course, as there always will be. But um, yes, I think that... I'm excited to see what people think uh, of this uh, series because it is a very long, very renowned uh, book series that a lot of people have read over the years. Over 90 million copies sold of the original wow. uh, books altogether. And um, yeah, a uh, lot of writing, a lot of words. It's one of those series that there's definitely stuff you can condense. Uh, and I think that Amazon will be doing that with their adaptation. Mm-hmm. So looking forward to it. But um, yeah, so we're here to not talk about that, but to talk instead about video games uh, and Nintendo ones and not Nintendo ones and other stuff going on in the industry. Uh, all that fun stuff. So yeah, Bally, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I, I'm I'm really excited for the end of the year. Like, I it, it might I might prefer it to E3 in some ways, especially these kind of last two E3s, which have been a bit botched and, you know, lots of announcements. So like just this time of year where got time off work to play games to record podcasts and there's game of the game awards and everyone's got their game of the year list We've got, we're gonna do ours like it's all i just love that time of year it's just so like refreshing yes yeah uh you've been playing a game of your own uh obviously last week we played unpacking but this week you've been doing de-packing uh, of some some kind so De-pa- yeah yeah just sorting out my parents house oh it's so much fun yeah it's, yeah. it's hard work and yeah unpacking is a lot more fun <laughs> it's a uh, life life mimics art you know like uh, that's that's what happens it's always happens that you know we'll find something that is uh in a video game and then you end up doing it in reality and, exactly uh, it, 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 it was weird that unpacking came along at the time that it did because i kind yeah. of played it and then started this project uh, mm-hmm. which was very strange very strange just weird yeah. how things like that happen in life of course um but uh yeah we're uh we're here to talk about some stuff and video games um a little bit different show today uh but Bally will tell you about that uh right now yeah we've been a little bit light on the amount of nintendo or nintendo switch things we've been playing at the moment so we're going to do an email segment for the first segment and then of course our second segment is our backlog club where we're going to be talking about the sega genesis game it's genesis if you're uk right uh, uh it's, it's mega drive, mega drive UK. uk damn it genesis yeah. for everyone else i think or north america for the us yeah US, for the US, so, so we've been playing rice star and we're going to talk about it yeah, it's a cool little game, uh, very interesting, fun one that obviously people voted on, and uh, we will chat about it in depth. But um, yeah, I think this is the second show ever where we haven't had a What You've Been Playing segment, and I believe the first time we did it was also a Backlog Club episode, so uh, yeah. there you blame, go, people. Blame Phil Spencer again, because... Yeah, yeah always, it's, always, it's always his fault for releasing um, Halo and Forza in the space of like a yeah. month. I mean, I don't know, we've been busy, you've been very busy as I've well. I've been incredibly so, uh, busy, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, 
we did we did talk about like a record number of games last episode as well mm-hmm. like that's yes. probably a record yes exactly so, so yeah we're gonna kick things off with some emails um and obviously you can send your emails in to uh to let us know uh what's going on bali where can they send those emails to please send them to this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com we are always in need of more emails and at this mm-hmm. time of year we are in need of your game of the year emails we want your nintendo games of the year your non-tendo games of the year we want your top 10 games of the year that didn't actually come out this year we want them all and you know we we really enjoy reading through them all yeah absolutely so send those through we'll probably touch on a few when we go through our lists uh next time and then the subsequent episode uh, and and yeah it'd be good to get a pulse on the community and see what everyone's favorite stuff they played uh this year was so yeah go ahead and, and send those through and obviously uh, head over to discord and you can post them in there as well and yeah we'll we'll take a look so let's kick things off bally uh who's who's our first email today our first email is from flapjack this was actually on discord who says been a while since i dropped a comment but i finally thought of a good one look at my old collection of nintendo magazines made me remember the old nintendo forums from way back when while Nintendo has held an okay social media presence, do you think they could do better? Do you think a revived Nintendo forums could survive nowadays? Or if Nintendo made their own social media site, if it could uh, if it could hold up among the giants of Twitter, Reddit, and Facebook? I'm excited to hear your responses. Well, Nintendo did that, and uh, they killed it. Uh, it was called the Miiverse. It was it a was sacred... <laughs> Uh, it was a sacred place uh, where Nintendo fans could just, you know, just be uh, fanboys and, you know, the great memes born from the Miiverse, why can't Metroid crawl, uh, prophecy, you might say, that comment in particular. Um, but, but, but yeah, lots lots of fun stuff from the Miiverse that I enjoyed. Remember the guy who just posted about the water of every yes. video game? He was like, yes. nice water uh, uh. for every game. Um, and I enjoyed the Miiverse a lot. I, I think there's a particular reason why it didn't work out. Um, obviously, it was kind of built by nintendo for their own platforms which means that they had a heavy kind of moderation thing going on and they tried to moderate it and oftentimes did fail um because there were a lot of dicks on miiverse that i did see and you know not every nintendo ninja can get all the dicks out of the um their social media space so that, that's one tough part i think also if you look at their history of stuff like the flip note debacle where mm. people were very afraid of you know people being contacted and there was a whole situation i think with like someone getting molested or something through the, the flip note or some there was like mm. some predator on there who the someone was contacting yeah. and yeah. nintendo shut down the entire thing um and so i think they kind of realized during that era that maybe making your own social media platform has a few problems uh, and issues that they didn't want to repeat and didn't want to run into and then you kind of directly see that with the switch where they're like yeah uh, twitter integration is here out the box and you can post stuff directly there we'll have hashtags built into it um you can post to facebook you can post to these other places and um and i think that's kind of the direction they went in like would they do this again? I don't think so. Um, I'd be interested to kind of like see a attempt at it or to see what they would like to do. But I, I would see them more doing like a forum thing, I guess, or like something where a community has uh, access to like, probably not in Nintendo's case, but I, I could see like some of their western studios maybe um doing something like that like next level or retro um but they're just a lot of it is just secrecy right and i think that's the hard part of it like there's a lot of 
if you look at like destiny for example right i'm pretty sure they have like communities like official forums and stuff that you can go to and, and i think a lot of these other companies do that where fans congregate in these spaces and there's not a huge number of people who usually gravitate towards that stuff it's usually the very hardcore people who who go there but i do think that um you know there's there's potential for nintendo to do it but i just don't think they they're up to it at this point mm. in time i don't think they just don't want to you know? yeah i mean i actually thought the Miiverse generally was actually pretty great. I mean, my biggest issue with it was actually just the loading times, and then the loading Very times slow. on 3DS were even worse. But uh-huh. as a means of Nintendo fans communicating with each other about Nintendo games, I think it kind of did that really well, actually. And it, it, the majority of posts were well like marshaled and regulated and all these mm-hmm. things, and there were definitely just a lot of kids on there. Then you had, like, the meme communities, like the Funky Barn community that I remember around launch of the Wii U, Jeff Gersman was in there doing some Funky Barn, like, uh, image drawing, and there was the Netflix community where people would... There was just a lot of funny posts that people put in there. Um, The the fact you could join a community and then see the top posts in that community, and you always go to the top posts, and then people would comment on top posts, and, like... It kind of worked, and like aside from the awful loading times, and it got really clunky and annoying. It was just a very clunky system generally, but like yeah. for what it was trying to do, it kind of succeeded. I just I would love for Nintendo to try something like that again on Switch, but like you say, I don't think they like the you know with great power comes great responsibility, and the mm. amount of pressure that sites like Facebook and Twitter are under now to like you know not host. Uh, yeah, far right accounts and host ter- mm, potential terrorists yes. and all these other things that all these social media sites have become famous for. It kind of like they they want to like shirk all that responsibility, and I think that you're right. They probably be, would be very scared to like set foot in it again. And anyway, right. why would you want a community when you can have, where everyone can talk to each other when you could just upload a YouTube video, turn the comments off, and now that people aren't going to be able to dislike your video, you can just put out yeah, <laughs> you, know, you can just broadcast God. to the world. Uh, without any criticism whatsoever. I could go on a whole fucking diatribe about that YouTube thing. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally get that. And I think Nintendo are, have always been one of those companies who... They do listen, clearly, at some point. But like for a lot of the time, it feels like there is this real disconnect between them and uh, Nintendo fans. And I think Miiverse still had that feeling of a disconnect. Even though there were like, oh, here's Miyamoto's account on here. And he's drawing this Mario. And then there's a Numa, And you follow him. And he, he would post like in the Miiverse an update on Breath of the Wild or whatever before it came out. Mm. Um, which I thought was cool. But yeah. it, it always felt like there wasn't any kind of direct way of interacting and i am sure nintendo don't really want that like they kind of they like their game designers and the people who work there to be like magic wizards right like they are people who just create these video games out of nothing and they're up in the castle working on their mysterious ways and you yeah, know, every yeah. three years they pop out an incredible video game and then totally goes, wow yeah it's like you know like when you think about stuff like patch notes right like you can imagine on the destiny forums you know someone from the community team going on there and being like hey hey guys here are the changes here's like a breakdown of every patch and every update meanwhile nintendo go on twitter and say "Hmm, there have been some balance changes made to super smash brothers for wii u and people are scrambling to be like they made like 900 changes and no one knows what the fuck they are and (laughs) this is totally fucked up everything and the metagame has to change and yeah it's um it's a very different approach to dealing with an audience and i think that's at the end of the day what this comes down to is like nintendo's hands-off approach with their audience and their fan base means that 
I, I just find it unlikely that they do anything close to a forum. Um, mm. Like, Miiverse was, in some steps, like, removed because it was mainly just drawing stuff. You could type things out, but there was, like, mm. a hard character limit, and you could post screenshots, but, like, it was very limited in its functionality. Like, you couldn't really have a good conversation on Miiverse in the same way that you go onto a regular internet forum. And you know, Not to say that you can have any good conversations on internet forums, certainly not saying that in this day and age, but um, you could certainly try to actually communicate with somebody. Whereas I think on Miiverse, that's communication not necessarily a thing that was that easy, I would say. No, so. no, it, was, it wasn't the best. And I, I think a lot of the video game video game obsessives who want to speak to other people who are really into video games uh, go on places like discord and, and mm-hmm. communities in there and you know right th- if anything i see nintendo like doing a bit more of that integration for god's sake they've added twitch for some reason to <laughs> switch like four years into its life cycle so you can watch twitch on there now which is baffling and bizarre but okay i'm sure that, that makes sense to them for some reason putting it on now and you still can't get netflix for some reason like it's yeah the the, the app stuff on switch is just a whole strange thing that doesn't make a lot of sense especially given that in the past they've had a bunch of that stuff on their systems and who knows why uh things go on there you know like the bluetooth audio thing was another thing they added late it's just like have any idea why any of this happens when it happens no not a yeah. clue but nintendo just decides yeah we want a marketing beat today how about let's just do this thing yeah um, do you think so, nintendo could do better with their existing like social media like say twitter for um, example I think Nintendo of America do a pretty decent job, you know, like they have fun things like they were memeing on Paper Mario when that came out with the water and they also did a thing where like Wario takes over the Twitter account and stuff like that. They, yeah, do, they have fun with it. Like, stuff, yeah. Um, th- there's like the a bunch of Toad stuff that they've done in the past. Like they definitely, I think at least the North American social media team have a good pulse on like the internet to some degree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that like, for example, if Nintendo were to bring back the Miiverse, or if they were to do their own kind of social platform, from the beginning, I think it would have to be accessible on, like, phones and on desktops, right? Like, I don't think you can have something that is... And Miiverse was, but you couldn't really post, I believe, from a desktop onto Miiverse. You could only, like, browse it. And so you could look at stuff, but you weren't able to actually make direct posts to the Miiverse from yeah. those other spaces. Whereas I think now, it's just, like, the way people interact with, like phones and with with the way they are online it just makes too much sense for it to just have to be there in an accessible way um but also i think nintendo would also just build it into their system at a system level so that you had access and i think a lot of it would have to be similar to how like the eShop functions today where you don't have to close your game to access it it's always open and it it loads up without having to worry about that stuff and it's fast and it's fluid and it doesn't doesn't lag things out um yeah i I, I like the implementation. I think the, the fun thing about Miiverse and, and why it was a bit more unique was because they could implement it into game systems as well, right? Whether it was Wind Waker with the bottles and finding messages from people in-game or in New Super Mario Bros. U where people would post stuff. Um, Mario Maker, the original one on Wii U, had a lot of that stuff where you'd finish a course and you would do a drawing. And I think some of that stuff like made it across. Splatoon especially is one where some of those ideas and that DNA continued in terms of the drawing community and the art community from splatoon 1 on wii u from miiverse stuff obviously you can do that in splatoon 2 um i'm not sure if you can do the mario maker stuff as well but maybe you can Uh, i can't remember um but yeah it feels like they took a lot of the ideas that people liked from that thing and put them into some of the games that you know carried over onto the switch but yeah Yeah. at the end of the day yeah i just don't i don't see it happening um i think it'd be fun but 
yeah, I just don't think Nintendo cares anymore. I think they're at a different place now as a company, right? They just they feel, I think, a little more removed as well. Like with Furukawa at the helm, he he seems like he's much more a behind the scenes guy, not out front like he was at talking to people. And um, yeah, a lot of their decisions, uh, you know, feel a little more disconnected uh, at this point in yeah. time. So yeah, yeah. Good, Makes good, sense. good question, Flapjack. That's a good yes. one. Um, our next email is from Andrew, who's from Melbourne in Australia. Says, "Hi everyone, I've only recently started listening to the podcast. I tried it out after getting frustrated and annoyed with the other Nintendo podcasts I was listening to, and then I tested out a few before setting settling on this one, and I'm really enjoying it." He's Thank got you. three questions. Question number one. Nintendo bangs on about not having new ideas with F-Zero, but most of their games are remakes or re-releases. Mm-hmm. So true. Why do you think there is hesitation in either remaking, re-releasing, or making another F-Zero game? i just like them to remake F-Zero X. Yeah. Um, I think we mentioned this a little while ago, but I, I think a lot of, like, why do things come back? What is the reason that, you know, Metroid Dread has finally happened after 19 years? Um a lot of it is finding a champion within Nintendo to get behind an IP, right? Like, and there is part of it that is, okay, yeah, you know, this probably won't sell very well. And, you know, there hasn't been one in years. And is there a fan base for it anymore? That definitely stops Nintendo, I think, in a lot of ways. And it's why there's this two-facedness of like, oh, but we can't think of any ideas for F-Zero. Anyway, here's the new um, Animal Crossing. It's um, it's super different. Uh, yeah, you can totally, you can like... <laughs> You can, you can do everything you did before but now you can put furniture outside now hey it's super different now anyway yeah. um that's that's where they're at right where it's like well yeah animal crossing they don't need to make excuses for having no new ideas because it sells fucking 30 million yeah. units yeah. right um whereas f-zero is like well are we being going to be able to sell this thing if we don't have a unique gimmick or a new unique twist to it? I think a lot of that is like the Miyamoto DNA in the company of him always wanting to have an idea for a uh, a game before mm. they put something out there. It's, it's a lot of how their console design works. It's a lot of how their like game ideas come about. It's like we want something different, and we want to you know base a whole idea about this and, and see how it does. Yeah. Um, and and so I think you know I I would love to see them test the waters, and you see them doing this with Advance Wars, with doing the remasters for that, of being like, okay, here we go, let's see how this does. Same with Samus Returns. It's like, all right, before we commit to a brand new one. Let's just do a remaster. And so I think, if anything, that's the most likely thing to happen yeah. with F-Zero is to do, like, a GX remake, right? Yeah, I, I think we're totally due, like, that that kind of testing the waters game and whether that's a GX remaster or a new game that is almost the same as those games but doesn't actually reinvent the formula too much. I think we're definitely due something like that. And, and as you say, it is ultimately a gamble for them. Like, they don't want to invest something in, like, developing this game if it's not going to give them big uh you know pay a big big paycheck at the end of the day and you know they can they can gamble on some other properties that they think are more likely to stick maybe this time they thought advance wars does does have more potential and like like you said emmy said maybe like way forward were just available and keen to work on that game in a way that exactly other teams weren't keen on working on f-zero like it it's just who's available at what time they were a champion for that game right like like sakamoto is for metroid like so many other people within the company are for different franchises if you don't have someone who really wants to make it at the end of the day and a team that like wants to get behind it obviously you need to have the funding and the backing of nintendo to actually go behind it and and green light it but you kind of have to have that in the first place in order to get it 
on the road right um and yeah. just doesn't seem especially when you think about like sega were the people who made gx right like it was outsourced after after the mm. first couple of games that nintendo had a hand in it it feels because it wasn't a sales success and also just doesn't feel like anyone internally at the company was there for it it um it kind of died as a result so yeah yeah, yeah. but i, I feel like we are close to the stars aligning and there could be yeah. some sort of SEO game, but it feels like not imminent but i say i would i'd put money on the, the next three years we'll get something because I, I a lot so. of stuff is coming back for switch yeah and i i'm really curious about at the end of the day how well does metroid dread perform because when you think about it ultimately metroid dread it's just a very good metroid game right like it doesn't attempt to do anything wildly radical mm-hmm. like it has new ideas there are things that are interesting and it it streamlines a lot of the kind of movement and mobility stuff which i love and, and i think is great but mm. really it's just kind of more of what people yeah. wanted and it's just a very very good more of what people wanted yeah which i think is the crux of it right if they can make very very good f-zero that people really like i think that that's good enough and i think that is what people will gravitate towards because there are so many people tons of people who've never played a metroid game before who are playing dread and are like wow i never realized that this is a series i could get into or something that you know i wanted to try out because everyone was trying it and it seemed like a fun thing to jump on top of i think f-zero can totally build up that word of mouth and that excitement um and, and i think it's just like trying to find ways to make it a bit more um accessible to people it's ironic because metro dread i think is like goes in the opposite direction of like hey this is fucking hard actually so um, a lot of people are struggling with it but i i do think that f-zero in particular is notorious for being impossibly hard so i think that ways in which that you can you know even take a note out of forza's book right look how good horizon is doing given all of its features and, and the way that it's speaking to a wider more mainstream audience who aren't necessarily into regular like realistic racing games you know a rewind feature in f-zero would be a fucking godsend honestly like that would be such a big deal um that i think would make a lot more people interested in playing that game because it allows it as an accessibility feature to just go to more people um more people to pick it up and check it out so yeah question number two uh from andrew says should games like f-zero or mario kart stick to what makes them fun in racing or could nintendo mix up with racing and other objectives when i'm Mm. when i'm racing i always look at the track and want to get off the cart and go and explore i've always thought it'd be fun to mix up with racing and other objectives to find or get etc yeah not to talk about forza again but i mean like that's kind of what that game does right like i think a lot of the fun i've been having with it is going and finding experience boards and fast travel points and just like not actually doing the races but just driving around and feeling the joy of driving while you have these mini things that you hit off a checklist right um and i think i've always been a fan of the idea of an f-zero game that has like open world elements to it where you Mm. have this big you know metropolis like this giant like space city that you're exploring in your vehicle um and you know maybe the idealized version of this game would be like you jump out the vehicle like grand theft auto style and it's it's more of an open world action game where you play as captain falcon and and you go around and you do combat and stuff like that like that's a pipe dream it's never gonna fucking happen but like even if it was the base idea of just being in the vehicle the whole time and exploring a space Mm. like a planet right that would be 
awesome and i think you could do a lot of cool stuff with it like having you know the outer bounds of a city that's more open and and flat uh, and you can find like places to explore and secrets and stuff like that and but then also have the racing alongside it and so having races that you enter and a storyline that you follow alongside being able to go out there and and just find little bits like you know ways to you know get new vehicles and um you know customization elements like stuff like that i think people would eat up and i think is a unique enough twist if nintendo is so fucking in love with the idea of doing something quote-unquote new with f-zero so they can make a new one um i think that would be a great call honestly like having a game that is a bit more exploration focus you know you're seeing this happen a bit more with some nintendo franchises like oh we're gonna do a 3d kirby game now i've never done this before um so i i feel like it's possible Hmm. and i don't think it'll go the whole way but you know if we see the success of a remake of something being like okay we are coming back with f-zero enough of you seem to like this thing then there's a possibility that it goes in in that direction and um yeah i do i i love the idea of a diddy kong racing style thing where you have bosses that you fight against and like mm-hmm. it's almost the mario kart ds mission structure yeah um it's a very similar idea I, I, have you played i don't know if you've played any other kart racing games that do that kind of stuff like i played the sonic and racing all stars transformed which is more by the numbers in terms of mario kart stuff right. but it has I like i have played any others that yeah I think of really it has like challenges and stuff i guess lego races back in the day was pretty basic oh. in terms of yeah. its stuff but yeah i don't, I don't remember i think maybe one of those games maybe i'm just thinking maybe i'm just merging lego island and lego races in my head but like that was a game that had obviously lego mm. island had lots of exploration and, and mm. stuff in it but i must yeah. admit when andrew mentions like quote-unquote mix it up and nintendo mm. doing this with something all i can think of was like marigolf super rush and they just decided to start running around the course and i was like no i yeah. don't want i don't want it I don't yeah. want. sometimes yeah and i'm sure there's people who love that golf game for all the running around the course but i personally don't like the running around the course so the idea of like getting out the cart and exploring like i'm i'm not so sure but i think your idea mbz of like you know f-zero but you know zooming around mute city just open world and then just entering in like races and if they can mix it up with like doing extra other missions and and fun things like forza horizon like you say i think that would be fantastic um and mm-hmm. yeah so have that for creativity miyamoto we can we can bring back <laughs> we can bring back f-zero you know come on just not even that creative we just fucking rip it off grand theft auto you know yeah like... exactly exactly oh. i mean before breath of the wild came out someone said yeah they're gonna make zelda open world by the way and that's gonna be the way they mix up the formula i think everyone would have predicted like they would have been like oh that doesn't sound good and then they just yeah. did an entire nintendo twist on the formula and it's like again nintendo can do they can work their magic to just do twists on formulas that you think are aging or you think can't be reinvented again and why not do it with f0 i think that's a good idea yeah I, I my only worry with that is like nintendo are not well known for their like character building or like story chops and so i think a game like that kind of I would want a Western studio under Nintendo to develop it, you know? That that leads perfectly into Andrew's next question. All which right. Is, I'm a big fan of the Ace Attorney series. I'm not sure why Nintendo never experimented with a Detective Mario spin-off. Mm. Do you think that concept would work? Uh, and then thanks, Valley and MBZ, for a great podcast. Uh, it's Andrew from Melbourne, Australia. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Um, yeah. Uh, obviously, they made Detective Pikachu, the video game. Right. Uh, 
that was story driven and people seem to like and, and i mean the story of that movie is based on that game at the end of the day it's like a good story. It I thought it was pretty good. much the same thing um so yeah maybe like i i do like the idea of them leaning into more visual novel style stuff obviously we saw them bring back famicom detective club this year which was great love to see those games come back but at the end of the day they're a little in terms of their mechanics and like their age really shows in that way so like having a modern take on a detective style game would be really cool and there's there's ways that you can do it well like there are certain games that have detective mechanics that feel a little superfluous like i would say the judgment series kind of falls into this where like there's detective stuff they try to do with that game but it it kind of comes down to you're stuck in first person mode and you have to zoom in on objects and just click them and all of the answers are obvious so there's not a lot of deduction going on ranging all the way to stuff like return of the obra din which i personally found a bit too challenging in the deduction end of it and just kind of bounced off it as a result so um i think there's like a nice balance you can find uh with those types of mechanics and i think i don't know is mario the best character for this idea i feel like there's maybe someone else in nintendo stable who could who could do a better job probably like from a branding perspective just because mario's been a doctor he's been a golfer he's played tennis right he's done all these different jobs so like putting a detective hat on him and sending him out on the streets the mean streets of new york uh, probably works uh branding wise but i don't know what are your, what are your thoughts on this Molly? it's kind of like mario's interesting because you kind of think about like nintendo's roster of characters and what are the games where characters from the Mushroom Kingdom are given the most character? And I actually think two games in particular. I think one is the Paper Mario series, and that's yes. a lot. That's a lot through like writing and and mm-hmm. this sort of thing. But that that could definitely there's aspects and characters in that series that could link to something that's more detective related. And the other one, the other Nintendo like mushroom kingdom world that i think has the most character and we've said this before is luigi's mansion 3 mm. and it's i think there's enough that go there between those two games that you know there's enough are ideas. you saying bali that next level games should make detective luigi as their next game <laughs> yeah because they've <laughs> they've given the mushroom kingdom arguably like this huge injection of like character in a way uh, yeah that, sure odyssey's got lots of character in its own way but nowhere near the levels of like luigi's mansion where you're just kind of like you really feel it in a way you don't with a game like odyssey and Mm -hmm. i think if a company like next level were given you know the rights to do something with like detective mario i think they could make something pretty cool actually yeah i i think so the other one i always jump to because i'm like nintendo just fucking make a spin-off for this ip already is splatoon right like Mm. and i think the fun thing about splatoon is that sure you have some canon characters like pearl and marina and and uh, Callie and marie and all that stuff that's that's really cool but the main characters in those games are always like player created like they're avatars essentially like they're all squid kids and that's cool i think that's a world that is interesting to dig into and fucking weird and has a lot of stuff going on with it like introduce a detective squid character like a squid kid detective character who can have their own story and have their own kind of narrative hooks and all that stuff going on i don't think nintendo would be able to pull it off i think they'd probably have to outsource this to some other team just because i just don't think they have the chops for it that said i don't know the the story in famicom detective club games are pretty good and those came out in like the late 80s and you know they held up pretty well all things considered so maybe maybe there are some some talented writers over nintendo who could focus a a story like that to, to make it work but um 
I think that is a really good candidate. I can almost see it now, right? Like the detective hat, the fucking like notepad with the with the pen. Like I I have an image on my mind of like what a detective squid kid would look like, and I think that could that could give you like a character that you could even put into Smash Brothers, right? Like what else are you going to add to Smash Brothers from the Splatoon franchise? It's kind of hard to do anyone just but your generic squid kid, uh, inkling, right? So yeah, I I think that's uh, definitely a possibility. Um, but yeah, I think Detective Mario is a cool idea. I like it. I think Nintendo should should get more weird with their IP. That's all I'm saying. Mm. Just get weird mm. with it, man. Let's do it. Good questions, Andrew. Much appreciated. Uh, our final email is from Brett, who is from Minnesota. It says, hello, guys. Big fan of the show. I started listening back in March when I bought a Nintendo Switch, which was my first Nintendo console ever and first nice. Nintendo product since the Game Boy Advance. Listening to your show has got me interested in retro games, and I have recently bought a Wii U and a 3DS in order to play all of the Fire Emblem games. However, upon trying to purchase 3DS games, I learned that these have skyrocketed in value with Pokemon games and Chrono Trigger fetching $80 to $100 on DS. My question is, with the switch over to digital games, do you see this trend continuing? If so, what games for 3DS, DS, GameCube, or Wii should I get now before it's too late? Thanks, guys. MBZ, you do a ton of... Mm -hmm. You know, I, I especially right now monitoring the prices, going to um, Kex all the yes. time, and checking out these retro games. Got any tips? Yeah, it's hard. It's definitely one of those things that you kind of have to always have an eye out for. Um, I will randomly from day to day open the 3DS eShop because there's no other way to browse if there's sales going on. And there's no easy way. You can do uh, browse by sales for the Switch eShop on the browser app, but you can't do that with the 3DS. So a lot of the time I'm like, all right, what's on sale on 3DS at the moment? Is there anything good that I want? Uh, And I have a list, right? So I think the first thing is make a list of the stuff that you actually want to get, right? Make sure you have it. And it's not overly big i think if you have it to be too ambitious you're going to end up being like well i want to own the whole library and that's just not tenable right i think for me you know there's certainly people out there who are collectors and they want to do that stuff that's fair enough for me it's like do i want to play this at some point in my life and i have kind of curated down to a list of like stuff like fantasy life or um you know just like niche 3ds games that i didn't get around to ever oasis was a good example that i did find and and was able to pick up and recently got final fantasy theater rhythm as well for cheap so like there are certain games that will go away especially certain digital games that only came out on the 3ds that are not going to be available anywhere else stuff like the guild zero one and guild zero two games things like aeroporter or attack of the friday monsters um like those games that were made by those individual developers uh who it was, like that entire series was based on this idea of famous developers making really small games and putting them out on the eShop. and though i don't think you can find like liberation maiden anywhere else i think i think suda worked on liberation maiden i can't remember i think he worked on one of those games but um but those are on my list of when as soon as nintendo banged the gong of the eShop for 3ds is shutting down i'm instantly going there and i'm buying every guild zero one and every guild zero two game <laughs> because i don't want to miss them right and they will not be available when's that gong gonna be it's, it's a good question like they obviously shut down the wii shop relatively recently and that had gone on for 
a good like 15 years or so before they decided to to do that so maybe it was less than that maybe it was like 12 or something but it's it certainly feels like the 3ds is truly dead from their like commercial perspective so it's it feels like a ticking clock like i give it at least four years maybe but that's like it's closing i think the window continues to close and it's one of those bad things that like the industry is so bad at keeping its history and making sure that we you know remember where things come from and and making sure people have access to these old games and the the other bummer about 3ds is because proprietary nature of the hardware with the 3d screen it's like impossible to recreate that on an emulator unless you have a stereoscopic display or if like at some point in the future people make 3ds emulators that run in a vr headset because vr has stereoscopic 3d right like that's the only way i can think of how do you get the experience of playing a 3ds again without having the original hardware is that stuff right um so i yeah i I definitely have a list and have like keep a keep a watch on a place like argos uh, in the uk is a good one of like they have a bunch of 3ds games and they always trying to clear out their stock i always see copies of like mario and luigi dream team or not that you want to buy that game i'd highly recommend against that frankly because that game's <laughs> long and uh just you know not not great i didn't like it but um when you bumped into that warrior wear scalper yeah fucking hell. i don't think i've told the story on the show of like <laughs> yeah. so i went to go and buy warrior wear gold on 3ds because it was a cheap price it was like five quid or something ridiculous at argos and i pre-ordered online i was like all right there's one around the corner i'll go there I roll up to this place and there's this motherfucker there who is sitting by the counter with stacks of 3DS games. Like, all the copies of WarioWare Gold and, like, a bunch of copies of this other stuff. And I had a right mind to go up to him and be like... <laughs> I fucking hate you like you you're the reason this shit is like bad and why people can't get good prices uh bit my tongue but like i was very tempted to just like cuss that guy out because he he was being a piece of shit buying all that stuff i was like are you gonna fucking play those games really yeah you're gonna play fucking seven copies of warrior wear fucking hell man uh piss me off to no end so uh yes you can certainly go to uh, a lot of different Maybe retailers kids yeah, sure, sure, definitely. Yeah, uh-huh. this fucking like twenty-two-year-old guy, whoever, just <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely wasn't flipping them on eBay at all. Um, uh, so yes, that the, that's the way to kind of do for physical stuff. I would say like keep an eye on like certain outlets. There's some retailers in the UK that are quite good. I'm sure the US has this this as well. Um, but digital, the problem with digital is like you never have control of when sales are going to happen. So that's when I always like keep an eye out on that stuff. Um, and at the end of the day, if Nintendo do close down the eShop and there aren't any sales, and I just have to bite the bullet and buy these things. I will just bite the bullet and buy these things. And I'll set aside, what, like £250 or something to just buy everything that I want on the 3DS just so that I can have it, right? And it doesn't mean I'm going to play it straight away, but the way I like, you know, to play video games, as you didn't realise, I play a lot of video games on this show and talk about a lot of video games. So um, and I'm, I'm very interested in the history of, of games and preserving that stuff. And so if I ever want to go back to something, I want to make sure I have the ability to do so. So... Um, yeah, I, I think that's kind of my approach when it comes to this stuff. I just wait for MBZ to say, Bally, like, you should get this game. It's on sale. And I'm, okay, I'll mm-hmm. buy it. And then that's, that's, that's my process, yeah. Yeah, Bally does no work at all. He just, like, waits for me to uh, to give him all the details. MBZ does the heavy lifting. I think it's also important to note, like, don't try and panic too much about maybe Nintendo's bigger first-party games because right, I know yes. we've, we've waited a long... We still don't have, like, GameCube virtual console in any sense but mm-hmm. it will come eventually we've just seen n64 like so if you're talking about the 
the 12 top GameCube games, I wouldn't worry too much about them. You will be able to yeah. play those in the next decade. I would put good I money Fingers on. crossed, man. Who fucking knows? I'm sure they will. Look, Nintendo love reselling their yeah. stuff to us, so of course they will. But Same with like Wii. I think there's a good chance. It's just like the harder stuff to find that worries me. You know, like Chibi yes. Robo. Will they ever put Chibi Robo out again? 100%. With the heart, the heart, the second you're not on that top tier definitely if you're keen to play them i'd get get buying and be aware yeah. like you say of who's selling what and and there's even some weird ones right like i think um recently on rfn greg Leahy was talking about he picked up uh, kirby's epic yarn on 3ds and like weirdly that game is kind of expensive still so like there are ports of certain games like if i was to play kirby's epic yarn i probably would pick up the 3ds version because the wii version is kind of super outdated at this point and not as easy to pick up and play so like i'm having my eye on that like i have my eye on some uh, like versions like for example uh, donkey Kong country returns i already own but that would be one that is interesting because it's a version of a game that's like probably the best way to play it at this point in time um the, i think in terms of wii and 3ds and or wii u in particular there are a bunch of wii games on wii you that you can still download so if you do want to get those that there's some stuff there that is a little bit tricky to find otherwise i believe rhythm heaven fever the wii rhythm heaven is on there so like that's a nice deep cut that's a good one to go after obviously you can access the um metro prime trilogy on wii u um still so that's that's one that everyone realizes that at some point that's going to come over or at least some form of it will who knows because people for some reason now seem to think that it's just a metro prime one remake that's happening instead of a trilogy port but it's a whole other matter Mm, Um, interesting and yeah stuff like pandora's tower like rare stuff xenoblade on wii um I, they didn't put the last story out that's one of my like golden gooses if i was to like find a game on a shop for like 20 quid wow. if i saw the last story for that i would pick it up in a heartbeat because that is one of my like i've been chasing for a long time and cannot find it you got a top five golden gooses man i don't know if i have top five but there's certainly ones on my like chibi robo is at the top uh mm. of my list for sure um so is the last story i think those are kind of my two biggest ones um there's some stuff that i'm interested in but not to like that degree but yeah there's certainly a lot of of good stuff and i think when it comes down to stuff like gba for example the wii u virtual console is great for stuff like golden sun and um you know the castlevania they just got the castlevania advanced collection to be fair so all of those are out there now but um it's the only way to play metroid fusion to pay for it uh, at the moment if you didn't have a 3ds ambassador um you know a lot of people going back to that system just to play metroid games because a lot of them were available on there and there's a lot of good stuff um on the wii u virtual console even if it doesn't have the breadth of what the wii had it still has like a good number of games on there and and some deeper cuts that you may not expect so it's worth taking a look around and and digging into some of that stuff because mm. i think it's got yeah. a pretty good breadth in terms of number of different consoles it represents actually like it is the wii u's got a lot in there when you were yeah. lobbing like n64 gba and stuff um it's it's useful for sure um and i don't know in terms of like what ones are must buys before everything goes away yeah i don't i don't know man because i think a lot of it comes down to your personal preference i'm not sure if i have any that i would say are like you have to own this because you know it's it's something like maybe you are into rpgs and maybe golden sun is that for you if you're not then you don't care about it i mean one i went after and actually a listener uh very kindly gave me their copy was chrono trigger on the ds yes Uh, i played that on my 3ds and that because that's only been 
the mobile version's only been emulated, and that's on like PC, right, and stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that game otherwise hasn't been re-released anywhere, which really sucks because it's it's a great game. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, there's there's a bunch of stuff. I'm, I mean, some of the if you want to go deeper cuts in terms of GBA stuff on the Wii U Virtual Console, which is kind of where a lot of my head is at, and like thinking of like what should I pick up if that ever goes away. Um, I think there's Mega Man Battle Network games on there. Um, which you know again i probably capcom will do a whole collection of those if they haven't already i feel like they've already announced a collection of those but like those exist i I think a lot when it comes to some of these third-party things those companies end up doing their own versions and collections so there are ways that you'll be able to access them but it's just hard to find like what are the ones in specific that will go away and then you won't be able to access again um there's not that many i think stuff like kuru kuru kururin is a good example of like that's a super niche weird mm. game on the gba um, i to play that and, game it looks weird yeah it's super strange and like the whole twisting idea and just never stopping like I've, I've watched people play that game before and it seems super fun um yeah but i don't know uh basically my advice is figure out what you want go buy it when it's on sale if it's not on sale and you get to the end of the life cycle of the system if you really do want all those games set aside a pile of money that you're prepared to live with to be like this is all i'm going to spend on it and i'm not going to go over and just do it and then you'll have them and then you'll be fine and then you'll regret everything when nintendo in the next generation puts all of those on a fucking switch online service <laughs> for the second uh, version of that system they do so. make random deep cuts that is, they that do, is the yes. risk they might just randomly deep cut the game you spent a lot of money on it's actually one of my favorite things about like the current switch online setup is the random yeah. games they throw in there like i i love that but it's very random very random yeah super yeah. weird stuff thank um, you very much for your question uh brett it's good, good yeah. to talk about how to how to get some retro games um absolutely that is all we've got time for in this first segment to talk about your emails um if you would like to send in an email send in a comment send in a question please send them to this nintendo life at gmail.com that's this nintendo life at gmail.com or leave a comment a question in the channel on our discord server uh, go mm-hmm. and join the community over there uh, we're going to jump into the second segment where we're going to go into our backlog club on Rice Star. So don't go anywhere. Right, folks, welcome back to the second part of today's show. Uh, and it's time to dive into a 
late backlog club, uh, last minute backlog club, you might say, uh, that we decided to do. Don't they get two in in the year? That's the thing. We've got to get two in. So we're, we're squeezing it in. At least, at least. Yeah, I would I would love to do more than that. Uh, and it's something we should probably plan a bit better and we'll definitely uh, be doing more next year, including Mario RPG, which is one that we'd promised for this year. But obviously things got very busy. But um, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll try and do that then. Um, but we are today going to be talking about a Genesis game, a Sega game, uh, something new for the show, I think. It's, it's a you know platform, a company that we don't have a huge amount of history with. Um, and I think part of the cool thing of Nintendo doing the Switch Online stuff is adding Genesis games there uh, so that people can check them out and uh, dive in a bit more easily. There have been ways to access Genesis stuff in the past. There's lots of collections out there. There's even one on Switch if you wanted to buy that instead of getting the um, you know Switch Online service. But um, I think it's a, it's a cool way of showing people some history that isn't directly related to nintendo but is in a way because sega were of course the enemy of nintendo back in the day so uh you could say you know if so if you sent this podcast back to somebody in the mid 90s they would call you a pariah for a nintendo show talking about sega games but here we are breaking convention um and uh, it's, it's a cool thing so yeah we're talking about Ristar, um which i think pronunciation is maybe the first thing i want to get into with this game because uh looking and recently Searching a little bit about its history, seems like everyone pronounces it slightly differently. What when you first saw the word ballet? How would how would you pronounce it when you saw it? Uh, I, I would go with rise star just because it's like a star rising. But I but yeah. phonetically, just looking at it, obviously it looks a bit more like Riz star. But the mm-hmm. English language always breaks its own rules again and again and again. So I, I'm going to stick with rise star. Yeah, I I thought rise star as well when I was kind of looking up what people thought there's kind of a contingent of people who say Ristar, there's a contingent of people who say Restar uh, so like there, there are ways in which you can say this game's name, I think one of the interesting things is that I think it was maybe in the manual or on, on the game box there was something that said it's pronounced wrist star as in like your wrist and I think part of the reason people thought that is because of the way this game's main mechanic works with your hand like pulling things like r- using your wrists I guess to mm. some degree um, which is a fun idea and I don't think you know you could make that argument but I think mainly it is like stretchy arms and hands hands more so than wrists but, um, but yes I think the idea of rising star actually was another thing that was mentioned when i was kind of looking stuff up so that makes a lot more sense uh we're gonna we're gonna say rice star going forward i think um makes makes the most sense here but uh but yeah i don't know um i guess we don't have much history with sega as a platform or like genesis or anything to that degree i don't know what what is your kind of knowledge base of of sega's platforms and their games back in the day overall bally yeah not much just that sega is sonic and that's that and from basically all uh, the entirety of the time that we've been into games um they've been the company that you know makes sonic monkey ball they're a third-party uh publisher as opposed to a first-party console platform yeah exactly and and the idea that they did used to have their own console like is kind of mind-blowing in a way um and yeah it's it's, so it is interesting to go back and see oh yeah this is like 
I'm assuming this was like console exclusive for the Genesis. Yeah, right? Rystar, uh, you know, only came out on on that platform, and it was made by Sega themselves, so it never kind of went anywhere else aside from their own systems. Um, mm. Interestingly enough, there was a Game Gear version of Rystar, which was very similar to this, like almost in the vein of like what Nintendo had on Game Boy. With like, you know, there are versions of Castlevania that you can play on Game Boy that are similar to the ones that were on the Nintendo and Super Nintendo, uh, and same thing with like mega man games right like they kind of try to transplant those ideas onto a smaller screen and looking up versions uh, or like uh, footage of the game gear version of rystar actually looks pretty good um and and as close as you can really get to what the actual genesis game looked like but um a couple of different changes from it you actually have stars to collect in it almost acting like coins uh almost like rings i guess in a sonic level and so that wasn't like an additional collectible thing um and also like when you killed enemies in the game gear version they would sometimes drop items one of the most cool ones i thought was you can pick up a spear from an enemy throw it at a wall and then use that spear to swing oh, yourself cool. up which is a unique like interesting way of affecting the kind of the world and and getting to different places so um, that's pretty neat but um but yeah i guess kind of the history behind this game is that it was it's one of the latest era genesis games out there it came out in 1995 by which point i believe the saturn had become a bigger deal and people were kind of moving on which means that despite the game doing quite well critically like it, i think a lot of people enjoyed it when it came out um it kind of got forgotten as a result of the generation moving on and therefore people kind of leaving it behind and thinking ah this you know this is a 2d game well i'm all about new stuff now and and people had moved on to to what the saturn was doing and uh some more 3d style stuff so yeah it's an interesting kind of relic of it's one of those i guess thinking of like wario's woods or something from nintendo's perspective of a Mm. game that came out super late and no one really got to as a result uh, of it so um that said it has been represented a lot in um collections and things like that so people have had a lot of chances to go back to this game over the years and it's been actually quite accessible uh, which is nice because there's obviously a lot of more niche uh, games from this era that aren't as easily um playable now but this is one of those that you can find on a lot of different platforms um, including the switch online service which is great um, one of the fun things about about this game development is that originally the idea started that he was going to be a bunny rabbit and that he was going to use his ears to grab stuff um, and so that was a potential idea for this game and the game actually originally it was going to be called um feel like as in like feeling something with your hands that was kind of the core idea behind it and one of the developers said that the kind of notion behind Rystar as a character is that he was like childlike and so this idea that he wanted like a child does to reach out and touch everything you know and that was kind of the concept behind it of him being like this innocent child who's just like reaching out and touching stuff which is a it's it's one of the most like Japanese responses to a question of like where how do you come to this this idea like yes I was thinking of the youth of myself and when i was a younger child i did try and touch things in the house and reach out to them and feel them to see what they were like and thus i thought bang my body off against them in order to defeat them yeah exactly exactly. and then i thought that this idea would be great where i was uh this character who was like like a child and such like a child who would reach out with his hands and touch the world and learn about it for the first time which like in practice in the game makes no sense whatsoever because it's just like this intergalactic thing where this star is going around these random levels and like 
like uh you know killing enemies by grabbing them and then as you said head bashing them into uh, non-existence so um so yeah it's it's an interesting game overall i guess just to set up what rystar is because we haven't really talked about what the game is yet uh it is a 2d side-scrolling platformer um and uh i i think it very much has a lot in common with sonic the hedgehog but simultaneously is like the opposite of sonic the hedgehog and so what i mean by that is a lot of the kind of framing around the game like you start the first level and it says stage one and it's like you look at that side by side with the start of sonic or even sonic 2 and you see the way that like the um elements of the foreground like the kind of framing um of the level coming in is exactly the same like it feels so much from the same handbook that they were just you know pulling exactly from what sonic was doing and so this studio was actually a new studio a lot of people attribute this game to sonic team but it actually was a different studio within sega but i think a lot of people kind of got confused because of those elements another element i think is every stage that you go through has two parts of it and then a boss level which is very much like sonic's act one it's like two dash one two dash two then a boss right Mm. and even the sonic games later into the um life cycle of of that character even on gba when we were playing sonic advance sonic still has always had that uh two dash one two dash two and you fight bosses and sometimes the boss is like a separate level sometimes the boss is just at the end of the second level um but yeah it's it's doing that playbook essentially uh, of how things work but Rystar himself is very different as a character. He's slow, he's plodding, he's not fast in any way, and, and it's even though the level design, again, is very similar to Sonic with its kind of multiple approaches, like different routes you can take, you don't have to take one route to get to the end, it feels actually like the level design is more suited to this type of play because it's more exploration focused more slower paced and so i've always thought that sonic's level design is cool but like so much of it you just go past and you don't even notice because sonic is about speed and just like getting through the space that like this is this feels almost like a better suited uh character to this type of level design so um i i guess we'll just start with what are your thoughts generally on the game Bally? you just finished it today so did i actually i finished it about 1 a.m yesterday as uh, before mm. i went to sleep but um yeah you you played through it um how do you think uh, the game is overall yeah i think it really does feel like it was a sonic game it, was, it feels like a game that was made for a character that was in the sonic family but then they changed the character at last minute from like i don't know tails with imagine right. like his two tails grabbing things or something you know or something and then and they just changed it at last minute to this character rice star um i i think there's quite a few aspects that have aged quite badly and we can mm-hmm. get to those but i think generally like you know it's got some it's got some jank in there because it's an old game but generally like it's colorful the music's great there's some really creative like levels some really creative and interesting boss fights and right. that's kind of as much as you can hope for with a good 2d platformer to be honest and i think the, yeah. the, the fundamental mechanic of like grabbing things sometimes technically i think it it feels doesn't it could feel better i mean i, I think yeah. it probably felt amazing for the time but these days it kind of feels a little bit jank in parts that's maybe a harsh word but like right. I, I, mean, I mean things like swinging on an enemy there are times when you're holding on to an enemy and you're swinging back and forth and getting the correct momentum to like jump out of that with momentum to go yeah. upwards often is impossible like it feels like i could never pull it off and so i would just like never be able to get up to where i should have been with those types of things and have to like use another way up there or just just not attempt to do it that way because something about the physics didn't like when i let go of the character And, and there's a couple of levels where i kind of reached 
near the end of the game where I reached like yes. pseudo dead ends where I was like, wait, the only way I can get through this is I do like this jump through this area and then I have to land on this spike to then yes. do it again. And I kind of just ended up messing myself up, up the wall, like glitching it myself up the wall, the wall on the right and then kind of just took the hits. But because I had full health, I just took the hits and then continued on with that. It just felt like I, I completely misread how that level was meant to be beaten or mm. whatever. And there were maybe like two moments like that. And that's never a nice feeling to find in the game. But but generally, like, it's pretty cool. And like, it's nice to play a 2D platformer with a brand new character, but also from a familiar company like Sega. Like, I think overall, it's a, it's a pretty good game, uh, all things considered. Yeah, I, I generally agree, and I think that there's... Part of what is really cool about it is I think it has great animation. Like, it's a really beautiful game, and in terms of the character and some of the... Like, specifically when you're on ice and you're sliding, and the way the character yeah. model, like, turns around and twists, like, it feels like there's a, a really nice amount of frames of animation going on there, but also there's little kind of touches where if you're standing in place like this is another sonic comparison of like when you're standing in place playing sonic he'll start like tapping his uh foot on the floor and just like mm. wagging at the screen and stuff and rystar just kind of starts dancing and like puts his hand in the air but it's a similar thing and what i didn't notice and i kind of realized was if you are standing still on different stages he will do different animations depending where oh, he is wow. so for example in the snow level if you stand still there he'll just sit on the ground and make a little snowman. And it's like, it's a really cool little polish touches like that that I think make it um, stand out a little bit more, right? And and mm-hmm. feel like a lot of care was put into it. So um, yeah, let's maybe talk about the core mechanic because I think that's one of the most interesting things is his, his stretchy arms. So like to interact with a lot of the stuff in the game, there's... Uh, your arm basically it's a very simple game there's two buttons essentially there's jump and there's use your arms and that's pretty much it like move left and right jump and and throw your arms out and i think they get a lot of mileage out of this idea not only because of things we mentioned like hanging on to enemies that like are flying that will like carry you across a gap but other stuff like um pinging yourself up the side of walls um there's a way in which you can kind of attached to because you can kind of pull yourself towards any surface but then rice star will kind of bounce off of it but you can chain that stuff together and you can actually yeah. go up vertical walls just by angling your um arms it at the right really feel right because they have yeah it works i agree and i'd use it mm-hmm. quite a lot because they have like actual hooks in the game that are yes. clearly like meant to be used like a ladder for rice star to climb up and but even if you can kind of just go up a flat wall using that kind of almost like you're kind of like futzing it just kind of like you're not meant to do it but it kind of works it feels wrong doesn't it but then you get to the end of the game and it feels like you have to use it to get through that last level right Right. so like it feels like one of those mechanics that you slowly get used to over the course of the game and by the end you're like oh wait i i should have been doing this the whole time and in fact if you go back to earlier levels i'm sure there are parts that you can get to just by doing that early on by just like constantly pinging yourself at the side of a vertical wall to to get up to a space and i guess yeah part of that is allowed because you have eight directional movement with the stretchy arms right so you can do it um obviously in the four cardinal directions but then also every diagonal as well and so that i think that part you were talking about earlier on where there are spikes there's like four or five levels of spikes where you swing on a pole upwards and then if you don't get your kind of bounces off the wall quick enough you'll just land on the spikes yeah that was one where i 
feels it took wrong. me a while to understand it but like you have to like swing up bounce on the wall diagonally then get to the next one it's basically giving you enough momentum to get up to the next mm. one because you can't directly do it's it straight tight away window, yeah. tight windows yeah for sure um but yeah and you use it it's interesting because like you pull enemies towards you and then they just bounce away aside the screen just go all over the place one of the weird things i thought was every enemy you destroy turns into this just kind of black ball with eyes right like mm-hmm. every every character is like that even bosses and yeah even bosses and the thing i was always thinking about is like rystar himself kind of he's just a black ball with this star pasted on front of him like his character design is literally like a black ball with arms and legs and he's got gloves on or whatever but it feels like for a game that has so much like detailed animations and detailed enemies and bosses the actual design of rystar is very strange and a little bit lacking in a way it's really weird you would think that if you're going to make this star character his whole body would be a star or something like that and yet he is this rounded shape, almost like a paper mache star, like put on front of him. I think yeah. it looks good, to be fair. Like, I think the actual character model does look nice. But when you step back and think about it and then you're like, hmm, well, what are the lore implications here? Like, is everybody, is this like their skin or like their skeleton? Is the, the skeleton of every creature in this game, this black ball? And so Rystar is re- really just like a skeleton with like a skin pasted over him in the wrong way like you, you can start to get real fucked up about it and it uh, gets super weird but um i just found that curious that like every enemy you destroy turns into that black ball but also that's what rystar is from the very beginning uh and it's weird I, I guess it works in in terms of like those animations where he's turning around i guess the kind of the circular nature of him makes the kind of 3d effect almost of his character model turning um mm a bit more impactful so yeah i thought that was pretty cool but um yeah i i think this game has a lot of cool locations you go to and it's on the scale of like galactic kind of planets and stuff like that you're often going to um levels don't have a through line i would say so like level one one to level one two they could both be set in totally different spaces um and there doesn't have to be a connection necessarily between them um sometimes you'll be like on a music level where you're just bouncing on like pianos and stuff like that and then you'll go into something completely different that is unrelated um and i think that is that's probably characteristic of the time i want to say of level design not being as specifically contextual right like we think about the most contextual platformer of all time Donkey Kong country tropical freeze which is like beautiful when it comes to that stuff you know like the entire Mm -hmm. idea of a world the entire idea of a idea being developed everything being contextually relevant to the space you're in like the entire like factory section that's always the best one to go back to of like the jellies and stuff and then turning into Mm. like ice pops and every all of that stuff as crazy and out there as it gets all fits within like the design that they are taking you through whereas i think games back then were much more like hey man you want to make a snow level yeah yeah that sounds good let's make one of those what should come after it here's this random mechanic we've not been building up to at all where you pick up a snowball and throw it at the snowman and it's like the only time in the game that you're using like a a separate button to suddenly start rolling snowball i was like because i was stopped there like okay but how he clearly the game wants me to throw snowballs at this guy but the game hasn't really taught me how to make snowballs yeah so yeah. i'm gonna try pressing buttons oh this button works i think it's like the y button or something the top yeah. one on the switch and I'm, I'm rolling a snowball and now i'm firing at them it, there's because there's no build like yeah. a tropical freeze there are multiple moments in the game 
where you're a bit mechanically flummoxed almost and you're kind of like i don't really understand what's going on and i don't even know what this world i'm in is and it's just kind of it's kind of um it kind of like rocks you a bit like you're kind of not certain in what you're meant to do yeah that that makes sense that's really funny i never figured that out i didn't so how did you beat the snowman it's like a mini boss yes so basically what i did was i took the snowball threw it at him and then just dodged him for a while and a new snowball appeared after after a few seconds basically so one would just appear behind me and i was like okay i guess one just keeps appearing then so i basically just went through dodging his balls and then why and he and rice star bend down and start rolling one quickly and then that's actually kind of cool i I wish i had figured that out but yeah. obviously, as you said like there's nothing telling you that that's what no. you can do so that's kind of crazy that you... there must i bet there's other moments in the game similar sure. to that that we might have missed or something because it just yeah. feels so strange that it's like this one-off thing i don't know that is really weird yeah i had no idea that was something that you could do there is a bit of throwing like in one of the later boss fights and there's one level like the music level where you're throwing that music metronome thing about and there's a little bit of throwing in the game but just just enough where it's a bit weird but not so much where you can argue it's a constant mechanic because it's so seldom yeah i i think like there is other one-off stuff like that Uh, i want to bring in a a comment from capsule j and uh, just go through some of the pros that he had on the game Um, he says i only ended up having time to play the first few levels but here are my impressions this definitely looks and feels like a sonic team game but with some unique hooks that make it distinct from the blue hedgehog's adventures Um, the graphics look great so colorful and detailed being a 1995 release it really shows that developers had mastered pushing the mega drive hardware to the limit the eight directional grabbing mechanic is very interesting i like how it allows you to climb on a variety of surfaces as well multi-directional movement like that is unusual in a 16-bit game and then he says there are some cool environmental interactions in the first few levels for example you can bash down a tree to make a bridge for yourself this was done more than 20 years before breath of the wild take that nintendo sega <laughs> does what nintendo don't. and uh yeah that was one of the early ones so i was like yeah, oh that's cool that like you're hitting cool. this tree and it kind of knocks over and, and makes a bridge and it never really comes back it feels like it's like no. a one-off thing that just kind of roll with it yeah totally um and i I do like that idea as well of being able to like the the whole directional angle of like pinging yourself up a wall almost reminds me of how people in super metroid figured out how to like single wall wall jump where like if you go if you take your momentum in the correct way you don't need to bounce between walls in super metroid to get up a space you can just go up one single wall which eventually in later platformers became very common you know stuff like super meat boy it's a core mechanic of the game that you just jump up one wall but and um, that's where this game it feels like so super metroid it's like a bonus thing you can do yes whereas this game that area we were just discussing with the 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 layers of spikes Mm -hmm. i don't know how you were meant to do it without doing that trick we did so i think there's a way to do it if you have full health by just taking the hit basically (laughs) oh yeah yeah that's what i assumed and it's stuff like that that bugs me but you know yeah it's 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 an old game man right like they were just figuring this stuff out and it it makes a lot of sense um i I guess like what did you like the variety of spaces that we went through as weird and as as disconnected as they were it's solid i think it, it actually is zany enough and because it's the whole like planets thing and you're going from one planet to another like apparently i read the i just read the plot on wikipedia and like the the i mean the the main villain of the game i forgot his name already like but he basically the wizard guy right yeah he gains control of like the rulers of each planet and that those are actually the bosses so 
right. all the all the bosses you fight, like the rulers of the planet. So that makes them fit a little bit more thematically into yeah. the area. In so I think there is a little more of a through line than perhaps we were suggesting earlier. But it's very tangential, and mm-hmm. um, I, I I think that the levels generally do really pop, and there's enough variety there where for like i don't know two three hour game it's, it's a solid variety and it's yeah. what you would want with this kind of game i was actually really surprised that the second level was an underwater level straight away like mm. you're just straight in there and um, Under, the underwater levels don't feel half bad the swimming's no, okay they feel pretty good like there is a and i actually ended up switching between analog stick and d-pad a lot more than i thought i would mm. and i think part of that is because it's easier underwater to navigate i find anyway with an analog stick even in a game like donkey kong where usually i'm on d-pad whenever i went into the underwater sections of tropical freeze i would instantly switch over to the analog stick instead just because you have free movement and it's it's a lot easier though did you notice this later on there's like part of the level like one of the last levels where you're just kind of swimming through the air for some reason that level about (laughs) we need to discuss (laughs) that level like there was so you're randomly going from like on land physics to underwater yes. physics yeah and there's no visual indication <laughs> like to to like delineate the two types of physics at all and you randomly yeah. swap between the two and it, yeah that blew my mind i was like what is this game this is ridiculous <laughs> I, I was i was kind of unhappy about it to be honest <laughs> because it's also not the easiest level like there's some jank parts and dead ends and you're like what am i meant to be doing here and why am i swimming like this is ridiculous i do think the last like couple of levels and the last planet as it were is definitely a big step up in difficulty because i think up to then generally the game is not Mm. like easy but like it's relatively for this type of game from this era relatively easy to get through like it gives you you get come across chests often enough that give you extra stars if you want to heal yourself and then you'll come across ones with a blue star which gives you full health which is great um so yeah up to that point i was like yeah you know i've been rewinding a bunch but that's just because you know i don't want to waste too much time and redo levels and stuff like that um but i i was like yeah i probably could get through this without using save states and then i got to that last part and i was like oh nope actually they could not do that um yeah I'd, I'd also argue we can talk about difficulty in a bit but like i do think the bosses are a massive step up in yeah. difficulty especially some of the later ones i was just gonna say my mm. favorite level in the whole game was actually i think it's like the last level before the final boss it's the one of, where you're putting crystals into slots i and going love that level where it's yeah. like this golden maze and each room is like this new kind of weird puzzle and sometimes yeah. it's just beat all the enemies in the room to get the crystal sometimes you have to like peel back the the the, right. the, the that background was a really cool thing the background like metallic stuff yeah that, i was in that room for a little while i'm like what am i supposed to do here i had to look and... that one up and then i was like oh, really okay yeah, i was like when i saw the, the review i was like that this game is so bizarre something like, yeah and, it's and, super and weird the way it mixes up like there's another one where you do the the swinging around the pole to ping right. rice star like through spiky areas and the, I, I loved all that i thought the way that 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 level just kind of made you like here's a simple goal you have to achieve the goal to get the crystal to move on it's just like uh kind of like gauntlet after gauntlet after gauntlet i thought was a very nice way to finish the game yeah for sure i I think it was a unique like different approach almost gave me a bit of Mega Man vibes like those levels at the end of Mega Man where you have to go and fight every boss by going Mm. into teleporters but in this case it was okay here are different challenge rooms in order to figure things out and um i guess maybe let's talk about that whole pole swinging mechanic because yeah what do they call it yeah pole pole vault yeah almost it's it's just a I, i guess it's a 
it's a way in which the game allows this interesting idea of the star and the shooting star mm. um as as because at the end of every level you see rice just shooting through the sky just like at super speed almost like a super saiyan basically and that's another similarity to sonic is like you know super sonic is yellow and just like bursts through the sky almost like oh, a blazing star go, yeah. um and ironically this is one of those things that reminded me of a different franchise a nintendo franchise reminded me of kirby a lot because um a lot of kirby games have this thing canvas curse does it with a big ramp at the end of levels i think earlier kirby games do it where you're on this big trampoline and you have to hit the button at the right time to bounce up high Mm. to get as much height as possible but like the end of level poles are very much that you get bonus points depending on how high you are in the sky Mm. before you leave the the side of the screen yeah that as well yeah totally so it's it's almost like a final little challenge at the end of a level and i always was very tense when i was holding the kind of swing pull because you get up to max speed i'm like man timing when i leave this is really <laughs> really hard it's like yeah. i was kind of like mm, okay go and then it would just ping off and i'd be like oh okay can i make it and um obviously you know you can rewind and stuff if you if you mess up but uh i i enjoyed that stuff i also liked that the bonus levels another very similar thing to sonic where you find random bonus levels no chaos emeralds here unfortunately but you do get like random objects the bonus levels are ones that you can find in far out places um that are also dictated by the pole so you find a pole and the pole will take you to a bonus stage did Mm. you find any of the bonus stages as you went through yeah i I found one in the ice area and it like Mm -hmm. took me to a very difficult ice area that i struggled immensely on and just timed out and moved on with the game but yeah yeah yeah, totally those are real challenges um those areas and there's definitely i think the final level i found one where i was like i don't even know what to do here like i have no, no idea how to get higher up like i couldn't jump high enough it was um yeah there's definitely some secret stuff going on there that is a little bit tricky and um didn't quite get a grasp on but generally i like the idea of the swinging pole and i preferred it in the later stages i think especially that last part we talked about because it allows you to experiment with it a bit more the other nice thing about it is like Rystar is invincible when that happens and so you can bump into spikes a bunch and you won't take damage you'll just ping off of them and bounce around the space and so it's good for exploring like areas that are maybe a bit more dangerous um and uh yeah it's also good for like maybe skipping parts of stages and things like that so i wish there were uh, a few more of those used and i actually would have liked it if there was a bit more variety in terms of the gameplay one of my most biggest disappointments of this game was the snow level opens with this really cool intro of rice star skiing down a hill i'm like oh hell yeah let's do some skiing stuff let's like dodge out of the way of enemies and jump over things and um and then you just start the level and it's a it's a nice level and you got you know physics where you spin around but there wasn't any uh kind of additional mechanics going in on its there. defense i actually really liked the ice mechanic and what i mean by that is normally 2d platformers the ice level like mario whatever uh it's like oh now mario's like slipping on ice physics and you can barely control them whereas this game it's like right you're on the ice you can't actually stop you just have to control it becomes like a a one button game where you're just jumping yes. at the right yeah. moment and i think that's a very good mechanical use of ice rather than just let's just make the same physics but make them slippy 
Yeah, there's definitely, I think, the green ice, or at least the green stuff that's slidey in the later levels, where there's right. one part where you're sliding up a space, and yeah. you have... that's that's really cool. Like little that. ramps that kind of mean that you don't go over the edge, and they kind of give you a little bit of momentum to get back. Um, yeah, I thought that was definitely interesting, for sure, and um, it helped for making the game uh, a little bit different um, and, and adding a little bit of uniqueness to it. Um, how did you find the bosses? I think this is definitely an interesting point of the game. There are a lot of different ones, a lot of weird ones. I think the variety is actually pretty great, and I, I do appreciate that they're all unique, and they all feel like they have slightly different mechanics tied to them. Were there any bosses that stood out to you, any ones that you enjoyed more than others? Um, there were certainly ones I found tricky and, and yeah. difficult timing-wise, I think. The big goop guy who you feed... Do you feed him pizza? I'm not sure what you're feeding him, but, like, that someone brings along a little dish and you have to throw it into his mouth. That's quite a hard fight, yeah. That, that the one. timing window on him opening his mouth, he sometimes freezes you. It's hard to, like, get out of the yeah. way of some of that stuff. Um, that one was just bizarre in a fun way, but I like the idea of you kill him by overfeeding him and then he just kind of just dies um, is, is a cool one. Any that stood out to you? I like the one where you you're almost like falling through a mine in the middle of yes. it and the, i can't remember what it was was it like some sort of it's a mole it's, it's like a, mole. a big mole guy yeah um, I, really, I think i maybe enjoyed that one the most um yeah. the can we talk about the final boss yeah I, go for it i yeah. i think the final boss is pretty damn difficult it's super um, hard and did you notice that this boss just has a move that takes you to the start of the boss fight again uh-huh it's the it's the black hole isn't it so what the, the hell you... is up with that like <laughs> it's an i mean obviously i'm using rewind and and fuck that shit but like i'm <laughs> i'm like i am just like flabbergasted <laughs> like there's a there's a move i i do think there is a steep incline at the end of the game right like not only those last kind of couple levels but also the final boss stuff is just it just goes a bit too far and i think that is just a relic of the time right like okay, yeah. you you wanted people obviously to not finish the game super quickly and this is a short game only takes a couple of hours right so i think the idea there being that you know by the end of the game sure you might have got through these other bosses but they just want to make it hard as possible yeah. and it's all I, about learning the pattern and making one, sure you don't get sucked up one common complaint i have about the bosses is i don't think they have very good feedback on when your moves are doing damage yes, or not 100%. other than the fact the only thing that they progress is like the cut the bosses change color as they take yes. more damage I, but mm-hmm. other than that it's like am i doing the right thing how on earth do i dodge this and you know like and so, the, the, so here's an interesting point actually because this was something i didn't realize again until i researched the game when you have held on to an enemy and you have pinged away from them and you just keep pinging if you're in that state of having pinged you are invincible so there are bosses now this certainly happened at the end of the game for like i think there's the claw like machine the boss last boss Is yeah the, the, the big yeah. brute guy and there's a claw machine in the way i was just like pinging non-stop on him and none of his moves were hitting me and i was like what's going on here is this just glitching out or something and i think it is an animation thing where you have a bit of an invincibility window once you have like grabbed and thrown somebody uh, which means if you keep chaining that together you can kind of take no damage or at least like be much less likely to take damage well i was almost doing like 
treating that boss almost like a Mega Man boss where it's about it's a race against time of your yeah. your health will go down faster than my health because that right, combination yeah. of the invincibility frames you get when you drop a single bit of health and also mm-hmm. like you said the invincibility frames you get when you're doing your your grabbing move if you yes. combine the two together you it's just like can I outlast you and that's kind of how I defeated that boss yeah just kill it as quickly um, as possible yeah. basically. with, with, Although, with um, save states helping me of course mm-hmm, and rewind yeah. and uh, I was rewinding a ton I think this game generally is actually quite difficult and yeah i definitely did a lot more at the end of the game um and yeah there, there was some points like you mentioned there are a point of no return in that last level where i was like well i'm just gonna die here and i'm just gonna go back to the checkpoint and make a new save there because i can't get back out of this situation i've, I've fucked myself mm. too much right like and that, yeah that definitely is a, a bit cause of a little consternation but it wasn't too bad there's a good number of areas of the game where it's like i don't know how to get past this part without just taking a, da- a bit of damage damage and then right. moving on and that happened yeah. an annoying number of times later in the game yeah um did you with the claw machine boss ever get to the side of the claw and then hit it and then the claw machine does damage to the boss it like goes down onto the boss and does damage to him i thought you had to do that yeah uh yeah well i mean yeah you you can do that for damage but you can also just ping him the whole way <laughs> which is also an option. Oh, okay, um, right. if you yeah. just attack him as you but as you said it's hard to know if you've done yeah, any damage because yeah. there is no response. There's no kind of flashing stuff happening, which means it's just difficult to know if stuff's going on. I think on. there's like um, a minor flash, but it's really just not major enough. It's and yeah. combined with like the sound design. Norm, modern games of this type, although how many 2D platformers are there in the same elk these days? But my point is like, when we do see them, it's very clear. It makes like a big noise. We think about like being in a ball and jumping off Eggman, even in Sonic. It right, makes like yeah. a really clear, he like flashes white and mm-hmm. then so, and you get like this really loud, like kind of sound. And like, I just needed more like re- uh, feedback for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, we had a comment from Timeless Gaming UK who talked a bit about the bosses and said, The boss fights were really characterful, creative, and fun to figure out, and rarely frustrating. In fact, overall, I found the difficulty just about perfect, at least until the last stage, which had me reaching for the rewind feature quite often, which, yeah, I, I think that kind of mirrors a lot of what we're saying. Yeah, I think yeah. there's definitely some bosses that even earlier on could be a little tricky. Um, yeah, the, sure. the bird one was a, a weird one where there's the one bird who attacks you and there's the one who starts singing on the platform platform That's, that was strange yeah, yeah and you basically um, like knock him off the platform that was weird. Yes. yeah again like very creative like all really well designed stuff mm-hmm. and i think for 1995 pretty damn cool actually yeah i i probably agree with you on the mole fight i think that was also my favorite because you kind of are falling through the different stages so you do enough damage to him to where he falls down yeah and the thing i really like about that one is at the very end he kind of breaks open and all the pieces fall apart and inside is just a tiny little tiny little mole guy who like tries <laughs> yeah. to attack you with like a peeny little attack that like flows along the ground you jump over it that that kind of characterization actually feels quite shovel knight in a way like that, that whole yeah. fight like the falling through the thing and everything mm-hmm. it, it felt very very unlike 1995 not that i've played a ton of games from 95 but no yeah totally. but i mean of course shovel knight is pulling from games yeah, like this right sure. so could have could have been that way but um yeah that and then the mole at the end you like hit him once and he dies but he just sits there in the corner crying and i felt sorry for that little baby mole <laughs> at the end of that fight um i did like the underwater fight with the hammerhead shark that was actually a fun one a because one. Yeah. you had to like uh, ping him into the stoppers basically there's a water level and the water kind of reduces as you take these stoppers out of the ground the stoppers that kind of hold 
holding back the water and once all of them are gone he basically has no water to live in anymore and so he's just like i'm done i can't move and he's just kind of flopping around on the ground so that was a good one i think the first boss is just really weird it's just this kind of wizard guy who has a ball with him and you hit the ball and then the ball dies and then you just like attack the wizard a bunch and he's just kind of floating above you yeah uh, doesn't strange. make a lot of sense um but yeah that last i think the particular problem with the last boss for me is he has that electric lightning move i didn't that, i didn't have a way of dodging i had no I, idea how to dodge that yeah i watched a playthrough or i watched a video of like uh, all rice star bosses no damage and i was like okay let's watch this, some guy yeah, do right. this and take no damage <laughs> and um what they do is they dodge to the so this is how i found out to dodge it but he kept doing the same move like five times in a row i would like dodge to the left of him to jump out the way of the lightning but then he would immediately appear again and i'd dodge again and he just kept doing it i thought there was a way for me to break out of it by just dodging it but it seems like he persistently did it and the only way to get out of it is to jump to the left and then grab him straight away immediately with a diagonal to the right and then you can knock him out of it but it's really hard and a tight timing window to pull Mm. off and i never managed it same to you like i i always got hit by the fucking lightning move and it was really hard it was uh very hard to get out of the way of so yeah it was pretty tragic um that especially um one of the things i do like about the way that they use your lives um or at least your health is when you do die the final star will just shoot at you and just knock you out like your last health is like oh fuck you and just throws itself at you and that's what kills you and i was like that's a pretty fun like way of taking the ui and like building it into the game a little bit i thought that was a neat little touch um, that the game did that i i found pretty pretty fun um and yeah yeah i think there's um a lot of problems with this game generally um capsule j had a had a few things to comment on and said just like a sonic game rystar likes to blind drop you into spikes or hit you with surprise enemies i don't have the patience for that nonsense in 2021 so i made liberal use of the mega drive collections rewind feature um said the levels have a variety of paths you can take but i never quite felt like i'm going the quote right way um and then also said finishing mm. a level by flinging yourself off the edge of the screen feels unceremonious compared to other mascot platformers overall this was an interesting game to try i'll probably play through the rest of it next time in the mood for a light and breezy 2d platformer i'm curious about what you think value of the levels having a variety of paths but you never felt like you were going the right way because i always felt yeah. that wherever i was going i kind of was making progress and i didn't feel like i ever got lost necessarily there were as we said there's some paths that kind of lead to a bit of dead ends but i always felt like where whatever path i was on i was going to get to the end by yeah, the end of it I, I agree until maybe like the last couple of worlds probably mm-hmm. like i agree that most of the game it, it, the game vaguely guides you and you kind of okay i'll go here and then yeah i never really got lost and then yeah there were just some very frustrating not necessarily forks in the road but just kind of like dead ends and things like i was saying in some of those latter levels that were just a bit frustrating and a bit of a sour taste in your mouth when i think the early game just feels a lot more well-rounded yeah for sure um and and just like a lot of variety and a lot of different kind of levels and ideas being thrown around um did, what do you think of the music with this game how do, how do you feel it's, that held up i mean i think it's pretty damn good actually like it was, yeah. it was popping um and i can't say much more than that i, I just really yeah. liked it yeah 
yeah i don't think it's like one of those that will stick in my head as like super memorable necessarily but um i did like what i heard of it um and i think it you know i think the genesis generally had a pretty good sound chip so a lot of the music on that system um was generally quite good and a lot of people um seem to hold it in in quite high regard um which which certainly works but um yeah do you do you have any kind of like overall thoughts um you know is this is this a game you would have picked up had this not been a backlog club valley is is it something that you would have eventually thought like yeah i'll try that thing out and um how do you feel having played it yeah i i'm not sure i can say i would i know that you're the big one on the podcast when it comes to i'm just gonna d- d- jump into this very old probably quite jank yep. game but i'm gonna enjoy it anyway <laughs> i played strider this evening literally right before we started recording i finished all of strider went through oh wow all of that okay. today um and that game i'm actually Actually, I should bring this up because that was one of our choices. I'll maybe talk about it next time on the show. Um, I'm glad we didn't do that game because I think that game game's pretty bad, honestly. <laughs> I, don't, I think it was okay. rough in a lot of ways, very fucking hard. Um, like, almost in a way of... Because the thing with Rystar that I think was actually really nice about it is I don't think it was brutally punishingly difficult for most for most of it. And for the most part, I was just playing through the level normally and I'd be like, oh, I got hit. I'll just rewind to undo that hit, that type right. of thing. Whereas yeah. in Strider, I felt like 90 percent of me playing it was rewinding it and that is not that's not good right like it's just not enjoyable um yeah i mean that's where yeah i mean i have like very little to no interest now in playing strider for sure but yeah don't don't play it's bad i think i i felt like a lot i all the frustrations i was feeling with this game would make me stop and think why am i playing this game i can play something right. a bit more you can spend more your time on something yeah. else yeah yeah and and that's how i feel most of the time and i think for me i'm okay with it because generally these games are really short and i like knocking something out right like you know yeah you're Strider setting the world took... record for most games beaten in a year i'm we, trying we, we all I'm know getting... <laughs> we all know <laughs> i'm getting that but like i also like just want to know i, I want to be able to like have an not to have an opinion on everything but like someone brings up strider and i'm like well i know what that is now right and i've played through it and i have a a thought about it and i can i can talk to it. i have that urge a lot more for games in the sort of 2000s to 2010 more Mm -hmm. so than i have for like 1990 to 2000 and yeah that makes sense uh stuff like halo i played loads of halo this year and and have had have had a blast so it's just kind of like I, I'm almost more tolerant to that kind of thing, and my curiosity of I really want to know what those games are about is better for that era than perhaps that mm-hmm. '90s era where I think my tolerance for some of the the weaker aspects is a, a little lower than than yours. Yeah. That totally makes sense, and especially for the big games like that. But when it comes to I don't know, I, I definitely think that because games got longer and longer over the generations, and you talk about going back to like PS2 games, like think about going to I don't know some kind of generic PS2 platformer. It's probably still going to be like eight to ten hours long, and yeah. to me that sounds like a waste of time. Whereas like okay, Strider might be not very good, in fact probably a bad game, but it's like forty-five minutes to an hour of my life, and that's like nothing in the grand scheme of things Mm. so for me i think the reason i'm liking diving into this genesis stuff is because everything is super short so if it is not great uh it's just over and done with and and you're out of there right and rystar you know comes in a couple of hours and you know i played it over a week or so didn't like do it all at once and i think that was kind of better for it because it made me remember some parts more and um helped me kind of like soak it in a little bit so yeah enjoyed it quite a bit um i guess i'm just going to close with timeless gaming uk's thoughts because uh gave us um quite a few uh things that we hadn't uh 
uh, obviously we touched on a lot of them so i just wanted to bring them back at the end here uh says i was one of the few kids in my school who had a super nintendo rather than a mega drive i was an avid reader of nintendo mags and as a result was indoctrinated to think of the sega machine as quote the enemy as such pretty much the entire console's library has evaded me Recently, however, I picked up the Mega Drive Classics collection for my Switch and have since been checking out what I missed. I was really glad when Rystar came up on the Backlog Club as it was one I was eager to check out. Straight away, I warmed to the game as it has really charming art style and catchy music. The graphics are really impressive for a 16-bit game too, with gorgeous scrolling backgrounds and lots of detail, especially in some later stages. It didn't surprise me to learn that it was a late release for the system, coming out in 1995. The overlay at the beginning of each stage seems lifted straight from Sonic, as I mentioned, um, so I assume it must share some DNA with those games. I've always struggled to enjoy the fast pace of Sonic, but thankfully Rystar is much slower and easier to control. The game's unique grab mechanic meant that slow and deliberate platforming was required, and that suits my taste to a T. As the game progressed, I find myself continuously impressed by the creative uses of the grab mechanic and of the varied environments and enemies. The game certainly felt a little too short, but at the same time it stayed fresh throughout and didn't outstay its welcome. Compared to a game like Donkey Kong Country, however, which came out a year before and shares many of its pros but offers a much grander adventure, I think I would have felt a bit short-changed by it at the time. Nevertheless, I had a great time with it while it lasted and can certainly see myself playing through it again sometime. Um, and yeah, it's interesting to bring up Donkey Kong Country as a comparison because um, mm. that obviously came out earlier. Uh, and I think as a game, it probably holds up a lot better than Rystar generally. It's it's um, it's a really well-made thing that I enjoyed a huge yeah. amount. It, it, it's a it's a it's an even more limited move set, I guess, in Rystar. Rystar is like that eight eight way directional grabbing mechanic is kind of in a way beyond its time, and it's also part of what in a sense i would argue holds it back a bit because i don't Mm. think that mechanic always felt quite as clean and crisp as obviously within a modern game it wasn't as fully developed as it needed to be right like it's almost they were trying something and it was a cool unique idea and i i never knew about it like i when i saw rystar i was like ah, it's probably just another mascot platformer where you jump but i i think the thing i really liked about it was that I w- didn't expect it to be like that. Like, I didn't expect no. it to have this unique arms mechanic that, honestly, hasn't. I've not seen in anything else, right? Unless you're talking about Nintendo's fighting game arms, in which obviously that's uh, kind of the the idea behind that. But in a in a platformer like this, yeah, you're right. It's it's um it's it feels like it was a bit too early. Um, in that the idea was there, but the execution wasn't quite there, right? Mm, mm, um, yeah, totally. Is, is it also interesting what um, Timeless Gaming UK is saying about like how they had the Super Nintendo, but everyone else had the the uh, Mega Drive, I guess, in mm-hmm. the UK. And my impression was that the Mega Drive was quite a bit bigger than Super Nintendo in the UK. Yes. Or, am I, or am I making that up? No, you're correct. Yeah, right. Sega was much more popular over here than Nintendo was. And that kind of carried over after Sega left the console business to Sony. And so Sega were the big guys here, and then Sony became the, the Greg big Millers guys of this here. world. Yeah, so Sony kind of really dominated Europe from that point, and Nintendo in the UK have never been the top dog, right? Like, even from the beginning, Nintendo have always been second fiddle to either Sega or Sony, um, and it's interesting, and I'm, I'm not sure quite why. I guess a part of it kind of comes out of the computer era of the UK and, like, a lot of people playing games on Ataris and Amigas and that type of thing, and 
and i guess the mega drive just appealed to that audience a bit more for whatever reason um i'm not sure quite what the reason was but yeah mm. it just ended up either they did better marketing or something but just seemed to taste wise uh work a lot better for for this audience in the uk uh, and so yeah it's very rare for people to be big nintendo fans over here as we know because there aren't many <laughs> so it's um yeah definitely really interesting so cool uh yeah so i'm glad glad we did this um final thoughts on rice star I, I enjoyed it quite a bit um i think it's really unique and interesting uh yeah i'm glad i played it I, I think i would have played it anyway just because as i mentioned i i'm kind of going through all of these genesis games and, and trying to just figure out which ones are unique and interesting and um yeah i think it's it's definitely good to have in my my brain pocket now of like whenever someone brings up rice star i'll be like oh i know that game that was pretty cool um so there you go it's rice star Sweet. Well, that ballet is going to close out the show for today. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening and for joining us uh, on this episode. A uh, little unconventional as it is. Uh, we're going to get into some more conventional stuff, though, at the end of the year with our regular end of year podcast. So, Bali, do you want to tell the fine folks at home what our plans are for uh, a game of the year? Well, here we go. We've got three special shows. So if, you, if, you, if you're new to the show and you're unaware of what, do, what does this Nintendo Life do for Game of the Year? Well, this is what we do. This year, we will have our episode 210, and it's going to come out on Monday, the 6th of December. And that will be our individual lists of top 10 games of the year that didn't come out in 2021. So this is a personal list where we've played a ton of games that didn't come out in 2021 that we want to list and talk about. And that's going to be cross-platform. Uh, we then have our non-Tendo list. So this will be uh, this non-Tendo life. And that's going to be a Patreon show that comes out on Monday, the 13th of December, which is MBZ's birthday, mm-hmm. I, might, I might also add. Uh, and that's going to be a joint top five non-Tendo uh, games of the year. And maybe top five, maybe top 10. We can discuss yeah, that we'll later. Yeah, we'll figure that out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it, it's important that that's non-Tendo. So anything that came out in 2021 that wasn't on a Nintendo platform that we played. So that will come out on Monday, the 13th of December for all patrons. And that's available for a single dollar if you're interested in that show. And then we have... The big one. It's episode 211, and that's coming out on Monday, the 20th of December. And that is going to be a joint top 10, top joint list, top 10 games of 2021 that came out on Nintendo systems. Uh, we have played a ton this year, so I think that's going to be quite the discussion. And like I said, that's a joint list, top 10 Nintendo games. Um, so yeah, you, you, you don't want to miss those three episodes is what I'm saying. It's going to be a packed December absolutely yeah looking forward to it uh always fun this time of year just writing your lists and figuring out what to put in different places and uh, i tweeted earlier today but it's it's fucking impossible um <laughs> this is one of the problems of playing 70 games in a year is that uh you have to make a list of 10 and i can't do that it's it hurts my soul yeah. and i hate it it's the worst this is why i should play less video games so that i have less to actually list at the end of the year yeah. we should uh, we should mention we're also going to do personal top 10 videos as yes. well yeah um, and mbz you, you're going to put those out as a podcast as well yeah we last year we put those up as podcast episodes as well so i might do that again uh, yeah. it might be a fun thing yeah. uh so, so that that's, you can listen that's to like it. five different things to go through so we've got the non-tendo list we've got top 10 games of the year that didn't come out this year we've got the top 10 nintendo games of the year we've got mbz's top 10 games of the year, and we've got bally's top 10 games of the year so that's five yeah. different lists to look forward to 
We hey, what what can we say? We like lists. They're fun <laughs> times. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. So sweet um all right well let's close things out uh with some other plugs and things obviously we mentioned our patreon show but uh let's uh, p- uh thank some patrons at the end here uh, if you go to patreon.com slash this nintendo life you get bonus episodes just like bally mentioned uh, if you want to get that game of the year episode head over to that site and uh sign up and uh, we'll be happy to have you we have some patrons to thank bally Yes, thank you to our $10 tier patrons. They are Zach S, Atari Alex, Thomas, Matthew, and my wife Caroline. Thank you all for your $10 tier support. But also thank you to all of our other patrons. It's hugely appreciated the support you gave, give, gave, and will give in the future the show. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, we really appreciate it. And yeah, we just, we just did an episode of this non-tender life last week and yeah my, uh, we were lucky enough to be joined by my brother at the start mm-hmm, which was an mm-hmm. interesting experience yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah who that is. <laughs> you need, need to go check that out um and yeah someone someone played a lot of forza and spoilers was it? it wasn't could, wasn't me this time but yeah <laughs> who could say uh yeah it says that was good um yes obviously you can I, we mentioned we're doing game of the year stuff i think i should probably mention as well we like to hear your lists for game of the year as well so uh yeah do go ahead and email your lists to us uh, also send them to our email address which bally will tell you right now this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com we want your nintendo list your non-tendo list and your games of the year that didn't come out this year we want all those lists so send mm-hmm. them on over yep you can post those in our discord as well we have a, a thread for emails in there so uh, send your top 10 lists through that uh, avenue and uh, yeah we'll we'll like to take a look i might also be putting up a, a bit of a poll uh, so people can say what their favorite games of the year are and then i might collect those together to get an idea of a consensus community game of the year um, so that could be fun uh, and see how that goes. so many lists so <laughs> as, as i said we like lists did <laughs> you know like it's shocking truly um yeah it's, it's good stuff you can obviously you can find all of our uh, shows in different places we are on youtube youtube.com slash this nintendo life as well as our discord that is linked in the show notes uh, go and join the community over there and chat with some folks um but also you can find us on the internet um in different places you can find us on twitter uh, where i am at lord nbz where can they find you bally i am at ballyman91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 i posted a little video um of a horn in forza from ori and the blind forest which yes. I, I, I love very much it's just a hilarious thing so you need to you need to check you you out. were raging at me a bunch of like oh, i don't want to get these cosmetics fuck this horn noise whoa whoa uh, whoa, whoa, whoa i said i don't want a pair of trousers okay. i'm all up for some thematic <laughs> horns all right they're, they're, okay. they're, they're, they'll do me just fine yeah yeah and then yeah, i yeah. like the next wheel spin i did after that i like unlocked one of the rarest cars in the whole game it's oh like great worth, well it, i got it's worth 2.5 million credits and i got Jesus. it with a wheel spin <laughs> oh my god just so, winning yeah. the lottery here love um, it love too it good um great Don't obviously <laughs> well yes it's something you could do <laughs> if you want to it's in a safe environment like forza horizon 5 a great place to gamble exactly um you can obviously find the show on Twitter at TNL Podcast. That's probably where I'll put the poll. Uh, so if you want to follow that account, I'll put it there, probably on Discord as well. And you can uh, pop your uh, thoughts on your game of the year list there as well. Um, and yes, you can obviously find the show in various places. We are on Stitcher. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on every podcasting app that you can find. Search for this Nintendo Life. Review us. Rate us all the good stuff and uh yeah we'd appreciate that greatly if you did so um and yeah 
that is about it that's going to close us out for today's show um i have i mean i'm gonna try and play some more video games but right now bally all i'm doing is like watching videos about and of the wheel of time and re-watching the i've watched it like twice now i watched it there was a twitch streamer who they partnered with to do like a live reaction to it and so i had her on the background watching it along at the same time just to, i just need the rush man of, just, of, of watching people hardcore. watch the wheel of time i just like i'm waiting for when my sister's around at christmas i'll watch it with her i'm just very excited i'm just very right. i'm just this is all i'm thinking about right now if you saw my youtube watch history for the last week i think 90 percent of my searches are just typing in the wheel of time into youtube oh. Um, I'm a little bit obsessed. You don't, you don't want to take your eye off the ball because you've got you need to get your boxing gloves out for game of the year, right? We've got some fights to get through. I know, yeah, and that's important. But I will tell you, I have finished 69 games this year. Uh, so why not I stop think, on uh, that number? No, yeah, nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, so maybe that's a good idea. We'll see. Uh, but yes, uh, that's that's mainly what I'm, I'm going to continue to do. I think, and I'm very excited because now every Friday I'll get a new episode. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing your thoughts when you watch it bally uh, whenever that is uh, oh, i would yes. like to chat with yes. you about it so yeah let's uh, do that yeah cool uh well that's going to do us for today thanks everybody for listening we'll be back in a couple of weeks time with more podcasting more video games more nintendo and game of the year until then thanks for listening folks we'll see you next time bye-bye interlude used on today's show was Shooting Rystar from Rystar. Copyright Sega 1995. Hello everyone and welcome to this Nintendo Life episode 200 and... Fuck, what's the episode? Shit. What number is it? Is it not 209? I put it, 210? It's 209. Fuck. I put it at the top of the joint Shit, show God notes. Damn, I just need to read the fucking show notes. Alright. Let's rewatch this. Go back. Alright, there it is 209. Okay. I was right. I had my ginseng. My gut was there. My gut was there. All right. All right. Let's do it. Okay. Um, <clears throat>